Hello and welcome to Treasure Trove, the roughly monthly attempting to be a bi-weekly podcast that brings you the uh, games you've probably not heard a whole lot about, or maybe you're curious about but never had the, uh, the gumption to pick it up. The, the last week we talked about the Vita hit Severed that has now made its way to various uh, devices, possibly even the Switch, considering that they're not going to uh, force all developers to make sure that they have a TV version uh, docked version of the game, so that'd be cool. Uh, anyways, this week I'm bringing you Gravity Rush uh, on the wings of the release, and by the wings I mean a month and a half later, of the sequel. I want to talk to you about why Gravity Rush is so great, and why you should play at least the first one. The second one was good, uh, but the first one has a special place in my heart. So, without further ado, let's dive into the world of Hexville. Uh, the story of Gravity Rush uh, has a lot of parallels to various superhero origins, which makes a lot of sense since the developer slash creator wanted it to have parallels with various superheroes. Uh, the titular hero Cat wakes up not knowing much about herself or where she is. After a minor encounter, Cat learns to uh, that she has the power to control, blah, 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 control gravity and starts to utilize it to help citizens of Hexville, the city she has found herself in. Uh, these powers grow over time as she learns different uh, abilities she can pull off with them. And uh, as the game continues, Cat finds herself involved with individuals that resemble gods. Uh, these individuals are known as creators, uh, as well as a second gravity shifter who is out to get her. A swarm of gravity weather that acts up, that's right, gravity can weather, uh, and a creature and a, a group of creatures called the Nevi, uh, who seem to have some connection with a masked man known as Alias. Uh, the story has a nice twist on the typical stro- uh, superhero uh, genre, I feel. Very Japanese y. Uh, it, it's definitely filled with Japanese tropes. Uh, some of them are daring, some wonderfully weird sequences to help uh, with various townspeople, and some kind of fall flat. Let's be honest here. Uh, the Western sensibilities don't always equate to the same sense of humor and uh, desire as the Eastern, but that's okay. It's still quite hilarious and, and endearing to play as Cat in this. Uh, floating island town. All the all the various districts of the town are set up on different islands, which is kind of cool. Cat uh, is an imperfect as the protagonist, but it's hard not to want to cheer her on as she tries to convert those around her who oppose her doing good in Hexville. Uh, and the supporting cast works really well for her, uh, both as antagonist and supporting members. I want to get back to that antagonist part because I am a personal fanboy of Alias. Uh, and uh, I think he's fantastic. He is not the primary protagonist, but or antagonist, but he is an antagonist nonetheless that I thoroughly enjoy. So let's move on to the gameplay. The gameplay of Gravity Rush is what makes it so engaging and interesting. Uh, the game is open world, uh, which was fantastic on the Vita, where it originally released. Um, and it requires Cat's ability to travel between uh, abilities to travel between uh, the four segments of the city. As I was saying, they're each located on various closely knit islands that you have to move from one area to another. There's kind of the the suburban area, a metropolitan area, an entertainment district, and an industrial area, and you kind of move in between as you power Cat up with her gravity powers. Um, The gravity ability is tied to the right bumper, uh, whether you're playing on PS4 or Vita. Uh, So it's one of those right buttons on the shoulders. 
which allows you to turn gravity on. Uh, so I, I have had a long time having trouble explaining this until recently I heard it on another podcast that just clicked with me. This is a toggle. You are turning gravity on and off in the direction of the camera. So even though you turn gravity on sideways, cat isn't really flying. And to me, it doesn't feel like flying because it is an on-off. And you eventually run out of steam. You do fall if you don't have enough gravity power to continue going forward or hit something. Um, but this ability to tap on and on goes in 360 degrees completely around cat in any direction. You can fly up. You can fly down. The game itself does have limitations per levels to ensure you don't go too far and have to come all the way back up. But overall, it's very interesting to watch uh, or to use this power. It's a lot of fun. Um, in again, you can send her in any different direction. It's simple. It's surprisingly intuitive. You really don't get lost all that much. Uh, the camera is a little wonky from time to time, as would be with the ability to just turn gravity in any direction. But overall, it works incredibly well. Uh, it's the main mechanic of the game, which is utilized in pretty much every facet of the game. The toggling on and off of the ability, uh, it really does feel different than any game that has flying or gliding mechanics. It's very unique, and I think it's hard to explain or, or hard to, to see why it's unique until you have it in your hands. Uh, though the flying around uh, by changing direction in which gravity falls is the main mechanic, there are plenty of abilities as well that come with this. Uh, the main one would be gravity kick, which is Cat's way of attacking you, essentially. Uh, zoom in on a... I'm sorry. Uh, you, you sit there and... What's the word? Uh, lock in on an opponent, and you t tap the attack button, and Cat goes flying in their direction. Now, there is no manual lock on. Enemies kind of have this circle that surrounds them as you get close to them, indicating that you are toggling towards them, you're aiming towards them. Uh, and therefore the gravity kick can hit, or can miss, but it does do the job, especially when you're aiming for nevies who have these bright red weak spots. Video games. Uh, Cat also has a gravity slide, which allows her to move incredibly close in the direction the camera is looking. Uh, this must be used on the ground, and it can be hard to control, especially at first, but as you improve her abilities, it becomes a little bit tighter to control and allows you to last longer and go faster. Um, she also has a, excuse me, she has a stasis feel, which Cat can use to pick up a few objects around her and throw. Uh, this is also used for carrying NPCs, so you can act as a taxi of sorts, or carrying goods, so you're on a little fetch quest to help people around. Um, it's interesting that I didn't use this ability as much on the Vita, the original game, but in the second game, I used it almost entirely in every combat scenario. I absolutely love the stasis field now. Big fan. Um, so the stasis field adds a nice versatility to her abilities. A cat also has a meter that appears... Uh, to display how much power she has at the moment uh, with her gravity powers. And once that gauge runs out, she must recharge, either by falling, waiting for it to refill, or uh, landing on solid ground. Um, this also impacts what is being held in the stasis field. If you run out of gravity while you have something, obviously you will lose it. Um, to power herself up, the gravity queen must seek out pink gems uh, that can be pulled for various abilities uh, to be increased. So you can increase gravity kick damage, maybe you want to increase her normal combo, which she does have when she's on the ground. If you just tap the attack button, which is square, she'll start kicking away. Um, maybe you want to increase the size of your gravity gauge, so that way you can fly longer. Uh, there are gems scattered everywhere 
So uh, it really prompts you to explore. It's actually one of my favorite things to do in this game. It is one of the few open world titles in which exploration is not hindered by combat. And that probably turns some people off, but to me it is incredibly refreshing to just look at a point on the map, decide I want to go there, and not have to worry about getting into combat, dying on the way there. Um, in a sense, it makes Gravity Rush a more relaxed experience, but it's really hard to deny how much fun it is, you know, turning off gravity, falling underneath the city, finding all these pink gems, going for that next one, looking off in the distance and seeing another pink gem that you need to go get. Um, it really is addictive and relaxing in a way that most games are not. Um, there are no actual side missions in a traditional sense, and I think that's probably my biggest letdown of this game, is I really appreciate side quests that help flesh out the character, as well as some ancillary characters within the cast. Instead, there are challenges spread throughout the city, and some of these are easy departures uh, from, you know, what is available in the story. So they're, they're nice to add a little bit of variety. They can be tough at first, but again, as you power up, they get a little bit easier. And they include anything from timed combat simulations to uh, gravity-powered races, um, even involve taxing around NPCs, as I was saying earlier. You can use that with a stasis field. Uh, th a pitching contest, a race using the gravity slide. They're surprisingly um, uh, versatile um, and varied compared to what you might expect. There's also not many. I think there's roughly 20, if I remember correctly. But it's the perfect amount, in my opinion. So the development of the game, uh, Gravity Rush, is the baby of a uh, game designer, Kichiro Toyama, uh, known for his games such as Silent Hill and Siren, which is, this is a quite a departure from those titles, which is fascinating to me. Uh, despite coming out of the horror franchise Toyama-san created, uh, he had been quoted saying that Gravity Rush has been a game he has wanted to make for quite some time, even before Silent Hill, with both Western comics and manga being a huge influence on his characters. Hence the very comic book-esque uh, story arc for Cat, especially towards the beginning of the game. Uh, though it released on the Vita, Gravity Rush started life as a PS3 title. The switch happened around 2009 when the handheld was still known as the NGP, Next Generation Portable, for those who don't know what that means. Um, the development team started with just two programmers working on the game, but by the end of the development, there were over 15 of them. So I can't imagine. I, I work in a job right now where it's uh, I am one of a two-man programming team, and that sounds exhilarating and terrifying at the same time. Uh, this small team was not only in charge of bringing this Envision PS3 title to Sony's handheld, but were also in charge of ensuring the game utilized some of the unique capabilities of the Vita. This includes touchscreen, um, the gyroscope, which is there um, for better or worse, and the back touch. And uh, the d development process had the team starting from scratch on brand new computers because the team internally did not often utilize Windows PCs, which was required in order to develop for the Vita. The switch, uh, the switch also required uh, the switch was required in order to program for the Vita. Though the hardship did bring some other benefits, such as testing immediately in the development environment. Beforehand, the team would have to put a debug build together, put it on the PS3, and then they could finally uh, ensure that they were able to re uh, look at what they were developing. So that was kind of nice. <laughs> Gravity's Rush, uh, the sequel, Gravity Rush 2, was originally started out as a Vita exclusive, though eventually had to jump to the PS4 once the scope of the game grew larger than the handheld would uh, 
could possibly handle. And I can completely understand that. That game is massive, has much more to it than the original, but um, that is not to knock the original. The original is still fantastic, hence why we're talking about it. Reception uh, of the game was uh, it was received fairly well. It still stands at a solid 83 on Metacritic, which is fairly good for a Vita game, and really good for most games in general. Uh, official PlayStation Magazine praised the title, stating, quote, There have been fewer games... Uh, there have been a few games that make owning a Vita worthwhile, but Gravity Rush is the first to make it absolutely essential, end quote. I kind of butchered that quote, sorry. Uh, Giant Bomb was less thrilled, stating that Gravity Rush, uh, quote, is a game that does one thing very well. If you need more than that, then Gravity Rush isn't for you, end quote. And I'm sure that has something to do with the actual gravity mechanics. That is a train coming. I am sorry for the loud noise in the background. But let's continue. The game retail sales totaled at roughly 560,000 units sold, which is very good for... I mean, Japanese developers are always really happy about large sales. And granted, that's not incredibly high for a platform exclusive, but taking into account there's roughly 13 million Vitas out there, it's not terribly low either. That's actually quite good. And that is before it was available on PlayStation Plus. This is all physical sales, so that's not including digital. Uh, in the U.S., that's 210,000, which makes up 38.3% of the sales. Europe comes in behind at 170,000 for 30.9%. Uh, Japan only makes 90%, uh, but as I've said over and over again, 100,000 is usually solid numbers for Japanese sales, so that's pretty damn close. Uh, and that's only 16.2%, and the rest of the world makes up 80,000 for 14.6%. Personally, Gravity Rush is one of my favorite games on Vita. Uh, I know they ported it to PS4, and I've heard it runs really well. People are very excited about it there. But it, in in my eyes, it is the perfect game for the Vita. There's the challenges which allow you to kind of do these small things. The world is full of these collectibles that you can go around and at your whimsy go to. Um, if you really have time, you can sit there and dive into a story mission, which usually is pretty meaty, involves lots of combat and exploration. If you don't have time, there's plenty of this little miscellaneous stuff to do, and it feels like a game. It doesn't feel bogged down by the fact that it's a handheld title. They did the controls extremely well. Everything about the game, to me, just screams console quality on the handheld. It is probably one of the few games that Sony actually delivered that promise on for the Vita. Um, it's not as strong as, say, Uncharted Golden Abyss. However, still a fantastic game. And me, being an individual who, A, loves people with powers, and B, loves open-world games, I could not get enough of this game. Um, uh, there is some DLC that was okay. It wasn't great. Um, but overall, you're clocking in 25 hours on your handheld. Easily worth your time. Um, it has one of my favorite recent characters, and I can't really describe why. It's Alias, is the antagonist I was talking about earlier. Um, I really love Cat. I think she's cute, but Alias is just so menacing in a way uh, that is normally conveyed uh, by Japanese creators that I, I thoroughly enjoy. There's not a lot to him, and unfortunately, he's not in the entire game, so it's kind of um, it kind of hurts that he's not in there longer. I think that's my second biggest gripe, aside from no side missions, is not enough alias. Um, but overall, fantastic, very enjoyable game. If you ha have uh, a Vita and you have an itch for open world games, I highly recommend it. If you don't have a Vita, if you have a PS4 and you're just interested in something that's a little bit different than your typical open world game, I definitely recommend it. So, um, 
that is all I have for you today. I am considering jumping back into a more obscure Japanese RPG franchise next time around. But I may go with Uncharted Golden Abyss now that I mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, thank you all for listening. Feel free to catch up with me on Twitter at JesterHead0302. I love talking to people about games, whether it's what I've talked about on the show or just in general what's going on. I know uh, Horizon came out today and the Zelda launches this Friday along with the Switch, so I tend to stay up to date on information and love having informed conversations. Uh, you can also email me at jesterhead0302 at gmail.com. Uh, I would love suggestions. If there's any kind of franchise or game that you have played that you'd like me to talk about, feel free to send it my way. I like digging up information on development of various games, and I would find it fascinating what people send me. So thank you again for listening, and until next time, uh, think about what you want to do with the world around you. Think about what you can actually put out into the world and do it. Till then, friends. Good night.